it's been a while, but this is still the Internet's worst gaming podcast. Uh, I am still Loki Jarzen, even after all this time. And with me still is my still brother. No, that's not right. With me still is my brother. Uh, we've been brothers all his life, at least. Uh, Thomas, also known as Lord right. Master uh, on Twitter and YouTube. Although the O in Lord is a zero, which always kind of weird for me. Yeah, then we have that origin story of where the lame Lord Master came to be. It was like last May, dude, and uh, the other two guys who are usually on the show with me aren't doing it anymore for whatever reason, so I don't remember. Let's pretend that last show never happened because I don't remember it, and I don't listen to these shows after I post. Oh, we're doing a bit of revisionist history here. No, it, it, let's... Cons- yes, we are. We're starting over. This is my brother, Thomas. Um, he's several years younger than me, and while he does play a lot of video games... He doesn't play nearly as much as I do, but I don't think there's very many people in the world who play as much as I do. Uh, especially because you have a very limited selection in what you play. You play like four types of games, period. Mm-hmm. Like four games yeah. ever. Over this last year, as far as I'm aware, you've played exactly four games. You've played Grand Theft Auto V, Red Dead Correct. Redemption 2, Battlefield Five. And a PC game strategy called Crusader yes. Kings 2. Did you play anything else that isn't like some wacky one-off for your YouTube well, channel? Well, um, over the past few recordings, which some of that will soon be posted in the coming weeks on my YouTube channel, I've been playing. Depending on when I depending on when I post this. <clears throat> some of that stuff that I've been playing have been some really really old shareware games from the early 90s, which I doubt you even remember some of that. We didn't play them in the early 90s. We had them in the late 90s, early 2000s. There was like a CD-ROM of just freeware, what we used to call. Yeah, DOS box. Yeah, freeware games. They were just literally games uh, made to be distributed on uh, floppy disk or CD-ROMs for free. And you would, you know, it wasn't the full game ever. But you would later on buy the, the, it's demo basically, the demo disk. For PC games. Yeah, the, not the full versions that we played a bunch. <laughs> this, these don't really exist anymore. <laughs> like, demos don't really exist anymore either. You see them very rarely, and then there's some betas for big uh, shooters every, every once you know, in a while. Three times a year total. Yeah. It's a lost thing in gaming. You don't get that anymore. Yeah, I mean, do you care if I name drop a few of these old shareware games? Go right ahead. We're mostly here to promote your YouTube show. One of which I recorded just, uh, well, not recently, but I planned on it because I did record the other night and it didn't go well, but I'll give it another shot at it. One of those old games came from 1992, was called The uh, the Palace of Deceit, uh, Dragon's Plight. Does it ring the bell to you? I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. This is an RPG. You don't play RPGs. Well, um, you ever heard of roguelike games? Ugh. You, you're in the loop on that? You should know by my disgusted side that I despise roguelike games. Roguelike, for, here's, here's more video game history. The reason it's called roguelike is because they're stylized in the early, eh, sometime in the 80s, game called Rogue. This is a game where you explored a dungeon and had exactly one life, and if you died, you had to start all over. So every game in its inception, every game in history that has taken those same mechanics has been called a roguelike. It's one of the few games that I've ever had a, a genre named after it. 
Again, the Palace of Deceit is a video game independently coded, designed, composed, and developed by Cliff Bozinski. That's a name you might be familiar with. <laughs> I've met him. I've taken a Whoa, selfie really? with him. Yes. Yeah, you don't remember that from like PAX four years ago? He was the keynote speaker. This was back when Boss Key still his his company still exists before he rage quit the industry the second time. Yeah, he 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 made a lot of video games. Yes, but this one is one from '92 when he was still in college. Yeah, it says it was um made in it was in, released in DOS in 1991 and released in 1992 on Windows. So what what do you actually do in the game? I know what roguelike means, but what do you actually do? Well, it's quite similar. It's a graphical point-and-click adventure game with an entirely new plot and graphics. And it's played in a first-person perspective. Uh, And since this was made by Cliff uh, Blazinski, did I pronounce his name right? Cliffy B is what we usually call him. Cliffy B, I saw that alternate name. Yeah, his inspiration (laughs) came from video games like Deja Vu and Uninvited. I don't know what Deja Vu is, but I have seen The Uninvited. That is a, a po- another kind of point-and-click adventure horror game. Yeah, and then the Dragon's Plight in particular, it's, uh, as I said, just got to go with it briefly before we move on with the main topics. Um, yeah, yeah. The player has the role playing as the dragon named Nightshade, who's been captured by the evil wizard Garf and thrown into the dungeons. Nightshade seeks a way out of the castle, a way to destroy Garf for his campaign to wipe out dragonkind from the land of Salak. S-A-L-A-C. Yeah, he would later go on to make Jazz Jackrabbit. This is the kind of great naming convention they had back way back when. And also it lacks music and sound, so there's no sound at all for that game. Again, it's early nineties. Are you gonna add it? Are you gonna add any? No, except maybe little do little voices in conversation like I do with Oregon Trail. Mm. How many let's violently shift topics here because that's what I like to do. How many Oregon Trail videos have you made on your channel? I'm gonna guess twenty five. Could be around there. Um, but also recently, I guess I want to address that briefly. Have you heard of the Oregon Trail? This is like a mod of the original Oregon Trail on the DOS. That's you're, you're a zombie or you're fighting zombies or you're running through zombie-infested Oregon. You, you, it's basically the Oregon Trail set in a zombie apocalypse setting um, where you have to travel out west um, with you know, your party and whatnot. And, well, try to survive... N- in a way of, hopefully, you know, again, like, when you get to the very end, those party members count as lives when you do the, you know, final boss sort of thing, final scenario, more like. So it's like, instead of you died of dysentery, you died of being bitten by a zombie. Well, actually, uh, party members of yours can get bitten by a zombie, but their health deteriorates a little bit over time, unless you restore their health by using medkit. This is the other broader topic here of like an overarching of what we're going to talk about very soon here. Even though we've played a lot of similar games when we were growing up, at some point during our gaming lives, we split off. And I went into console and your standard shooters and your standard RPGs. And you know, I've only, you know, in the last decade gotten into the really weird shit. But you went off to play PC games and play a ton of strategy games and a ton of like what I'll describe as pain-in-the-ass games I would never want to play, but you seem to enjoy that. Mostly due to the fact of patience, I guess. Yes, because 
We'll get into more of that during the Crusader Kings talk here in a little bit anyways. Anything else looking forward to on your channel coming up? Well, um, the, uh, there's this other Oregon Trail video. Not Oregon, Oregon Trail I have planned to be posted in the future. But I recorded it on Election Day earlier this week when I had no internet. Well, I'm going to edit out what day you said because I like to keep these ambiguous because I don't know when this is coming out. As I said, uh, I had no internet, so I just went nuts. It was like five hours, dude. It was not even that big a deal. Trust me, you don't know what it's like without internet. I know. I Yes, I do. I, I was with those same five hours. I was also in this on this property, even though we don't live in the same house. <laughs> and um, so, if we can talk standard shooter, mm -hmm. uh, one of the games in that big list of games I gave earlier is you've been playing is the Battlefield Five. Yeah, Battlefield Five. I through EA Access have played about four hours of it. Um, I played a little. Did you have? Had you played any of the campaign? Oh uh, no, you have the first-hand experience on that. Okay, let me tell you, it's dog shit and terrible. It it doesn't compare with the Battlefield 1's campaign? Look, I hated Battlefield 1's campaign because it was dull and lifeless and I didn't give a shit about anything I was doing. And it was heavily stealth-influenced. But it at least had mechanics to support the stealth that you were doing. You remember Hardline? Oh, uh, yes. Hard, Hardline, in my opinion, is the best Battlefield they've ever had. The best campaign. Uh, yeah. Also, I also think the multiplayer is better. But anyways, the campaign is great, even though that was also... Heavily stealthy, and I think you completed that entire game without getting caught, right? Yes, and uh, found all the little uh, collectibles, intel, whatever stuff. My point being, Hardline is a game that supports the stealth option. Like, if you want to be sneaky, you can. And there's a lot of that in Battlefield 1. In 5, they want you to be sneaky because they don't give you any fucking guns. There's nothing to support there. You, Your objective, the maps are ungodly large for a campaign and you have and each of them it takes a minimum like an hour and a half it's only like four missions but they take so fucking long and they need you to be stealthy because you don't have any damn guns you can't find any ammo the guns you pick up are terrible uh a lot of them share ammo so when you're like oh, i'll just use a secondary nope uses the same ammo you're out of you're out of bullets no more gun food oh man it's almost like it's like one would think is like it's like, well, you've been conscripted in the army. Here, now go out. Oh, and we didn't give you a gun. Yeah, so everything is OSP. It's on-site procurement. Um, and then I go off to play the multiplayer, and it's just, you know, a harder version of one, really. Let's be honest, get that in a minute. But it just felt like there was a different team at DICE or whoever is making the game. A completely different team made the campaign, and then a completely different team made the multiplayer because they feel like... A di it's a different game entirely. The campaign is like <laughs> for people who don't like shooting guns, who like to try to be sneaky, except for that part where you have to hold uh, a fortification while singing some shitty Australian song. No, they're British. Shitty British song. Whatever. Anyways, multiplayer. <laughs> I haven't played much of it, but I don't think I've won a single game. Is that common? Uh, yeah. Um, I can have very good matches, but not win the match. But then again, I have a different view of, you know, me thinking about, so like, oh, again, I have a YouTube channel to run, so I just wanted to right, get right, these right. fancy-looking kills that would look good in a video. Uh -huh. 
do you, you do play it for fun, I assume, I would hope. For fun, uh, depends on the situation or whatever presents itself. Like, there are instances where I would just have to jump on on top of somebody's tank and just keep hitting the melee button on it, like, just to get it attention. Like, just picture me hitting the tank with the club. It's like, hey, I'm up here, come on out. <laughs> or even teabag on top of the vehicle. What was the last non... Like the last shooter game you played before this was Battlefield 1, right? You don't play nothing else before that. Yeah, that's correct. As of recording this, they just released a uh, a new... Oh, yeah. Yet another, yet another Call of Duty game. Yeah, that's uh, Modern Warfare Remastered. No, not Remastered. It's... Re- reboot. Reboot, yeah. They're just starting over. And they're dumping the numbers, too. The last... <laughs> incidentally, the last numbered Call of Duty entry was, in fact, for Modern Warfare. Back in 2007. Yes. And now it's 2019, and they're just like, we're just going to take the name again and dump all the numbers, so there's no more Call of Duty numbers. There hasn't been since then. Like, there's no Call of Duty 5, despite the 10 games they've had since then. Yeah, and the last Call of Duty game I played was um, Black Ops 3, and that's when I felt, okay, I think that's enough <laughs> for uh, Lord knows how long. <laughs> yeah, but you did you play the campaign in that? Oh, uh, the Black Ops 3 campaign? Yeah. Yes. I mean, the, when we did the first podcast, I, w- I didn't play it then. Okay. Well, do you agree with me that it's literally the worst campaign in the history of first-person shooter campaigns? I don't know, but it's up there with the Ghost campaign. <laughs> I mean, that's another... Look, Ghost, was, Ghost had a bad ending, but it was okay. Yeah, but none of the characters were likable. It's a fucking Call of Duty game. You're not supposed to like any of the people. All you like Captain Price and his big dumb mustache. All you like Soap, well, he dies. All you like Yuri, well, he dies. You like any of the other characters you play as in first person because they die. Some people, sometimes they grow feelings for other characters, I guess. I suppose, man, but these are all big military grunts. It's not like Gears of War. Like, Gears of War... Man, I, I know we're supposed to be talking about games you've played, but I'm hosting the show, so we're talking about this. Gears of War, the first game, uh, also by Cliff Blazinski at Epic Games. Uh, it's just these four big burly dudes, and it's way back in 2006, and it's the like, first major cover-based shooter on modern consoles. And you knew one guy was like looking for his missing wife, but there wasn't a lot of emotional depth to it so we'll say which is you shoot the ugly things and then you shoot the ugly things and then you shoot the ugly things some more uh and in two they tried to add some like really emotional stuff and like dudes crying because oh he had to shoot his zombified basically wife mm-hmm. and everybody's all real sad about it but you know, most of the time you're still shooting ugly shit it's like all right okay we've moved in this room and killed all the locusts now we have a big cry about your wife okay now we move this room and kill all the locusts and three They've really moved forward. They've moved forward even further by hiring the lady. I can't remember. It's Karen Travers. Wrote a lot of Star Wars books, and wrote the Gears of War books to write the Gears of War three story. So there was even more emotional depth, and they killed off one of the main characters in there too. And there's a long, sad musical montage, and everybody's real sad. But that's halfway through the game. You still have to play the second half of the game where you kill more ugly things, and continues in Judgment, and in four, and in five. And, f- and 5, which came out in- this year, they tried to put even more emotional attachment into it with a terrible trailer that features yet another... Uh, what's that song by that damn band? They're always in trailers. 
Fleetwood Mac, another Fleetwood Mac song. And it's like, oh, it's so emotional and depth. So it's like, I've actually played man, what, five hours of the Gears 5 campaign. I didn't finish it because I, I stopped caring. I, I can't care. I don't have it in me to care. I, I don't care about the emotional complexities of a game where all you do is shoot ugly or things. Or morality stories. It's, there's no morality because it, all the morality is human versus human, right? You don't ever kill humans in that game. That's not a thing you do. You kill the locust or the swarm or whatever the hell they're called, even though they look the exact same and use the same tactics. It's, it's just bullshit. I don't like when games force emotion into them. If you want to have tell an emotionally compelling story, okay, you better tell it from the beginning, friend. Oof. You better start with the emotion. You can't just suddenly decide to add it four or five entries in. Well, basically, it's like, yeah, we know your story, but can we just go out and kill things? Which is, again, let's bring it all the way back around. That's the problem with Battlefield Five. I don't care about any of these stories. They're not interesting enough. You know, maybe maybe Modern War, the new Modern Warfare's story is interesting enough. I don't know. I doubt it. Because you don't buy it for the yeah, campaign. Some, some campaigns can be hits and misses. I don't know. Maybe I'm just old and jaded. Yeah, again, 10 plus years of, you know... Playing console games. 15 years. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, just want to circle back a little bit on Battlefield 5, uh, the multiplayer portion. That, that about two weeks ago, they released their newest update, which now... Don't date this audio, so a while back. So yeah, now they released this new update, which, I mean, for most of the year, yeah, I think it's been a year since it's released... It's been confined in Europe only, just and a bit of North Africa too, with the United Kingdom and Germany as the two only factions in the game. Which is very strange for a launch game. So now, one year later, now we take it to the Pacific Theater with the American and Japanese factions. I don't know. I think the internet. I don't know how much feedback you read and or look up on these games, but there's just currently a lot of negativity about EA Electronic Arts, the publisher of Battlefield. Mm-hmm. Because people just like to hate things, I guess. EA, you know, dares to want to make money with their loot boxes and all that crap. But uh, I think it's just like ultra entitlement. Whatever makes you sleep at night. Well, being angry helps you get better, I guess. I'm not angry about it. I'm just I'm angry about emotional force storytelling. Yeah, you put a lot of emotion into that. I get emotional about it, yes. It's one of the few things I get emotional about. I played an RPG recently that has no heart in it whatsoever. It has no like emotional storytelling at all. So I'm just doing things. You know, I'm just going here. Here's your quest. Go to this place and kill this guy. Alright. Alright, thanks for doing that. Here's a hundred bucks. Cool. Next. And a quest within a quest. And that's fine for some games, but I don't know. And it's the end of twenty nineteen and I need everything from a game. I need it to look good. I need it to play good. I need to care about the characters. Uh, it needs to move me emotionally. You know, it needs to make me give a shit. And that's really, it shouldn't be this hard, but it seems to be really hard for game devs to do. Maybe I'm being, maybe I'm expecting too much. I don't know, but I think I should. After all these years of, we're, we're at the end cycle of the current console. So next, by this time next year, we'll have a new Xbox and a new PlayStation. 
Oh, boy. I know. I think it's too soon also, but time marches on. Just had a thought, but since you just ran that down, I lost my train of thought. I don't think there's anything better well-spoken than what you just said here. <laughs> Let's move on, then. Uh, it's all going to be circle, so let's circle back around. To uh, You do play a lot of the stuff on PC. Yeah, plenty. Both old and somewhat new. Uh, sometimes really old of the early 90s, like we mentioned a bit of the show where. But the thing I think you play most mm-hmm. of... In recent memory. And like an impossible amount of, an amount that I don't actually believe you've played. You just left it running while you've passed out. Uh, in the early days. And we'll see. It was uh, a game called Crusader Kings 2, which we talked about last time. But in all honesty, a lot of it went in and out of my ear. Because... It's not up in your alley. I just frankly don't understand what you do in the game. Like, I understand that it is about, it is less a military simulator, like the old strategy games that I remember, the Rise of Nations or the Command and Conquerors, that sort of shit. And it's more like a a political, quasi-religious simulator. It's a grand strategy game set in the Middle Ages. Uh, It's a dynasty simulator where... Okay, okay, but what does that mean? (laughs) If we're going to quote from that previous podcast um, that that I saw that picture once, (laughs) which is um, The Sims plus Game of Thrones equals Crusader Kings 2. See, but I disagree with that Sims thing because the Sims thing I've seen, I've never played, but I've seen enough gameplay where you control a little person, right? And the little person has to eat and go to the bathroom and have a job and be happy. But in this... There are no people in this thing, right? You look at big European maps, and there's a lot of reading, and it's like, you want to enter a trade agreement with Cyrilla, and they're like, yes, but you know, I'll need 500 pounds of beef. It's not really like that, in some okay. cases, which again, the success is defined solely by the player, and the only in-game objective is to obtain as many prestige and party points as possible. You know, it, the old high score thing. But let's just say the goal is whatever you have on your mind. Like, what do you have in mind on the playthrough? Like, do you want a big empire that can span the entire continent or something? Or try to, I don't know, destroy the nation from within as a vassal and and create it out one for yourself. But it is mostly a lot of reading. Yeah, there's plenty of text. Which I'm uh, I'm not against. Um, and not to mention, not my, to mention my, it's character-driven. Well, you control, quote-unquote, an individual every time, right? Uh, depending on the action, especially when you personally um, lead armies uh, when there's wartime. But you don't actually engage in any battle. It's, we're going to have a battle. Here's the results of the battle. And at times during the battle, um, since they released a new DLC, which we'll get into great detail, which again, this podcast, is, since we're recording on November, it's been a year since Holy Fury came out, which is most likely their final DLC. You know what? I have that other issue with. I wanted to bring this up earlier. This game is called Crusader Kings because it's supposed to take place during that time in the 1100s AD. Yes, it says originally from 1066 to um, 1453. That's the end date. But they made DLCs later to start it earlier, preceding the Crusades. 
Yes, but you can be countries that weren't involved in the Crusades at all. Is my other thing. Yeah, you can either play as the Muslims or pagans or Zoroastrians or even perhaps a Hindu. Yeah, but you can go all the way to India. Like, where were there Crusades in India? I thought it was all about taking over Israel over and over again. Uh, not the case, and and they actually expanded upon on the Crusades in the recent DLC, Holy Fury, which, again, um, I, we'll, we'll get into a lot more on that when I use uh, Bosnia as an example of a playthrough that I recorded and where I was able to do all these new features in. Why don't you get into it now? What do, I don't know what we're waiting for. The Holy Fury DLC. Sure. What does it add to the base game of political intrigue and marrying off your siblings? Um, or marrying your siblings if you're a Zoroastrian. Well, yeah, there's a lot of really weird religion stuff. The Holy Fury is the 13th major expansion. That's their 13th expansion they've done, and most likely their final. Because there's a new one coming out next yes, year. In 2020, Crusader Kings 3 has been announced, and there's already a few dev diaries out there, which I won't get into detail because they pretty much tell it for itself. Hmm. And again, the first playthrough I did since the DLC came out was Bosnia. Originally, I was going to do Finland, but I chose Bosnia because they have one of their newer cultures added to that game. And and since nobody did a playthrough on it, I thought, oh, I'll be the first. And start at the earliest start date on 769 AD. That's the earliest you can start. And like with most of the, the Balkan Peninsula at that time, except for the Byzantine Empire, it was all pagan. The western half is... How much? The western half was Slavic, and the eastern half was Tengri. How much history does the game tell you, and how much do you personally look up? Well, uh, since I mentioned 769, this was at the time of Charlemagne, when he was putting mm. the empire together. Um, so story events do play out if you play as Charlemagne or his brother Carloman down in Middle Francia. Okay. That's the only historical part in the uh, that particular start date. And they also had a little update they released uh, a few months after the DLC's release. So that's the Iron Century, which starts at 934 AD, where the only historical part is where you play as Otto II, who's from Germany. And he puts together um, the, Roman, the Holy Roman Empire that we're familiar with, you know, the one that's German-speaking rather than French-speaking of Charlemagne's time. Before they transferred into Italian-speaking. Yeah, when it kind of broke apart, right? Hmm. Uh, again, back to, you know, Bosnia. At, at that time of the playthrough, which, again, we were Slavic pagans. And one of the things they added, for pagans in general, is warrior lodges. You know what a warrior lodge is? I do. Would you like to tell the audience? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah warrior lodges is... Um, you remember Skyrim with the companions? Uh, I think a better example would be Oblivion, because the Skyrim companions did jack shit. Uh, so you're thinking more of Fighter's Guild? Yeah. Yeah, the Warrior's Lodge is, is, for, is a martial society where you could apply your trade with the martial skill. You know, that's for the military part. So the Warrior Lodges are societies specifically tailored for pagans, tribals, and nomads. Focusing on the hardy warrior lives these people live... These societies revolve around raging war, being rowdy, and proving your might through feats of strength, personal combat, and camaraderie. So this has nothing to do with like the empire building part of it. You're just like, I want to get real buff. 
Well, it's mostly for tribal um, governments. So, I mean, there is such thing as a tribal empire if you could form it. That's if you refuse to live a feudal life and remain tribal. Hmm. And also, if, if you happen to be nomad, which is an entirely different thing. If you live in the steppes. How many different ways are there to play this? Um, as in, like, playing government-wise? Government or religion. Uh, feudal is for... I mean, you know how the feudal system works. Um, that's for... That's for Christians, um, Reformed Pagans, Zoroastrians, and the Indian faiths. Um, the Muslims have a, a similar feudal system, just different name. Um, and then there's the tribal, um, which is mostly for pagans, and the nomads that, again, they mostly live in the steppes, um, you know, horse riders, and sometimes you move camp to camp if you like, because, you know, on the move. And also you can play as a merchant republic if you have the republic DLC, but you cannot play as a theocracy. Like, you can't be the Pope, so to speak. That's strange, everything else they put in there. Um, and I mentioned about Pagan Reformation, which we'll mention that somewhere down the line. So, again, when I did a Bozzy playthrough, I joined the Warrior Lodge, and I, you know, built up my strength and courage, um, be this rowdy warrior, in which there's many activities you could do in that Warrior Lodge. Um, such as, uh, oh, I remember the contest I took part of. Sometimes there's going to be an arm wrestling contest, sometimes a drinking contest, and a thing called, uh, flighting. Uh, you know what a flighting is? Uh, no. If I, if I were to say it in a more modern way of things, it's kind of like, who's the insult master? You know, just talk shit. I mean, we're allowed to say shit here? Yes, this is a very mature-rated podcast for matures only. So yeah, it's just two guys or girls. It doesn't matter the gender because you're all in this together. They talk shit to one another just to see who loses their cool first. And depending on your uh, intrigue or whatever skill, you're better at it? It depends more on your traits, your character traits. Like hmm. say, if you're going to make fun of this guy who is envious and ambitious, and if that guy happens to have those traits, then he's more likely to lose this cool. Unless I he see. can come back at you and 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 you know, chastise you of how lustful you are, if you happen to be lustful yourself. I mean, there's no draw, it's just, it has to be a winner in such contests. That also applies for the arm wrestling and the drinking. Hmm. And sometimes there's duels for honor, and sometimes there are duels to the death if a member of the Warrior Lodge, such as yourself, you fight against a member of another Warrior Lodge, another pagan guy out there. And sometimes they give you missions like, um, in which the duels were one of them, and the others, go conquer this county or raid that county. And once you, you know, further rank up, you can do other things like appoint your sisters and daughters as shield maidens, which makes them commanders or the marshal, as well as um, recruiting your children, which they have to be at least 12 years old. Um, that's only if they're willing. This seems more like a Viking simulator than any Crusader thing. If you're doing a play pagan playthrough and member of the Warrior Lodge, then yes. But this is a Slavic one. I mean, there's the Germanic faith up north as well, which they do things a slightly different up there. In my playthrough, I was able to make most of my children, well, commanders and, and the daughters, shield maidens, except for this one guy, which he just ran off and he stole my money. 
and I confront him. I beat him up and actually killed him, and I became a tribal kinslayer, which is a trait. Not as severe as the regular kinslayer. Tribal kinslayer is one of the few traits they added to that game, which we'll talk a bit more of. Uh, let's just say tribal kinslayer is like, yeah, it's a slight drop on the diplomacy, but it ups the attraction opinion of the opposite sex. Like women think, oh, you killed your brother? That's cool. That's uh, fucking weird, actually. And then as you rank up on the Warrior Lodge, um, you could do other things like, oh, <laughs> I did this when I fought my War of Independence prior to it. A war sacrifice where I spend a renown to gain a temporary buff to my troops. So let's just say you sacrifice some guy or even perhaps someone of your kin and it actually motivates your troops to have more morale and fight better. I can see why this is a pagan-only thing. And eventually you become indomitable, one of the other little powers they added when you reach the top rank, where you can no longer suffer lethal injuries on the battlefield. As well as choose your military aspect of it, where if you choose those three military lifestyles, either a strategist, or a duelist, or a hunter. Um, but the real end game, the end goal for a member of the Warrior Lodge of any pagan faith is um, you begin building a legend in hope of establishing a Warrior Lodge bloodline. Uh, when I re Since I was able to live long enough for that sort of thing to occur, when a legend bar reached 100%, then all the warriors gathered and says, let's go out on a great adventure and defeat the best warriors in the world, in which we personally head to the Byzantine Empire. Because, you know, that's where the best warriors come from. Greeks. So it was kind of like, a, it's like, yeah, you fight in duel, like beat this guy, and then you have to beat that guy. It's almost like a miniature tournament. Until you meet the final boss, like, here's their champion, who turns out to be a Greek giant by the name of Manuel. Manuel the Giant. So yeah, he had a big-ass club, and as far as the text, it says, mind you, it's text-based. Yeah, that's my other issue, yeah, but with, yeah. With um, the dice roll of whether you live or die or other things that you'll do in situations. And I was able to actually beat that guy and formed a, a bloodline, which I got was Legendary Battle Bard, which, of which the modifiers it does is plus five poet opinion. For people who are poets, they look more highly on you. As well as monthly prestige, plus ten personal combat skill, and gain access specific to battlefield events. And since I mentioned Bloodline, that's another thing they added in that DLC. Legendary Bloodlines, or Historical Bloodlines. When you say Bloodlines, what you mean is, like, your dad was important, so you're important, and your children will be important? Yes, and, and you can create Bloodlines for yourself, but it, it kind of depends on how you want it. Um, let's say there are such things for Forged Bloodlines. You could either have a Murder Bloodline, Conquest Bloodline, Peace... Construction. You have a murder bloodline where your grandfather was a murderer and you'll be a murderer all your life. Well, it matter of fact, I see all the modifiers for murder bloodlines. It does say murderous AI. In other words, you're most likely to be assassinated at some point in your future if you don't have a high enough intrigue to cover your ass. Is this all still stuff from the DLC? Like, this wasn't in the base game? Yeah, this was all in the DLC, including the bloodline stuff. Um, and the other thing that's occurred during that playthrough of mine is um, 
well, since we t talked about paganism, which I think we covered that to death, um, including, uh, we want to touch briefly, pagan reformation. Like, if you happen to be a pagan and remain so in your life and manage to get all the holy sites and enough piety, you could reform the pagan faith into however you want to structure it. So everyone converts? Yeah they, yeah, they just convert to the reformed version of paganism, depending on how you want it structured. There were only two reformed pagan faiths that happened in my playthrough, one Germanic and the other African, which Africa, they added that recently in that area, sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, that is way out of the purview of Crusades. Yeah, the, again, two faiths were formed in my playthrough. I'm just telling those two as an example. The Germaniac one, also known as Norse faith to you, Norse mythology, uh, they kind of retained most of their characteristics, but they added astrology onto their faith. So, you say, a character born on a certain month picks up, you know, that zodiac trait of theirs. That might be a plus one or a negative one on one of their... By the way, a tangent, zodiac, total bullshit. Okay, go on. So yeah, as I said, they maintained most of their characteristics, such as the sea raiding and whatnot, and, and conquering their coasts, um, you know, Viking stuff. Um, and their religious head is the, I don't know if that's correct pronunciation, is Filkir, which is kind of like uh, the Muslim caliph, you know, where the king or emperor is the religious head. Sure, I, I don't know what the word is, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah, like a god emperor or something. Sure. You could probably picture yourself as one. Yeah, but as for the Africans down there, well, they took it slightly different. But uh, the only thing they had in common with the German when in my playthrough is, well, they also follow astrology, the zodiac stars and whatnot. And also forgot uh, astrology, that also makes people join the hermetic society if they wish. You know, science society. But they chose not to have a religious head, and uh, they functioned more like, you know, like the Indian faiths, like the Hindus, the Jains, and the Buddhists. And you, you have no control over these things. These are like random, that happens to countries not under your control. Yeah, it's a sandbox game. Everything happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, it tends to go their way. It all depends on their strength, as well as who they're married off to, and claimants and whatnot. That's all out of your control. Oh. So now if we finally get out of paganism and we go from converting from Slavic to Catholicism. It happened in one of those features they added where you uh, requested a mass conversion. Like if you're a neighbor of a Christian country or another faith's country that isn't pagan, then you can request them to have a mass conversion that they'll sponsor it. And it makes... You, yourself, your character, your dynasty, and a few willing vassals in your realm convert to this new faith. And as for the ones who didn't, they'll revolt. And you're going to have to clean that up. <laughs> so, went to be, I became Catholic, and I was playing as a female ruler named Goislava. And when baptized, they gave me a new baptized name of my choice. The first choice was Beatrice. I'm like, heck no. Chose um, Helen, named after St. Helena. Not Helen of Troy. Because <laughs> don't want to jinx that. Was formerly a shield maid in the Warrior Lodge. Got kicked out because I became zealous. And one of the traits. Because they tell you. To be a member of the Warrior Lodge. You must not be zealous. Even if you are zealous of the pagan faith. 
So I later joined the Monastic Society. It was a challenge with penance and then later canonized as a saint after death. And that formed a saintly bloodline. And then we finally get into the Crusades era, you know, putting the Crusades back in the Crusader Kings. Yeah, well, you already did that with the mass conversion. Yeah, but um, that one was a kind of peaceful conversion, even though there was a bit of a revolt. Um, but now, you know, to the other places. So they reworked the Crusades. In the old version, it was simply Pope or whoever's the religious head that does Crusades or Jihads or Great Holy Wars that pagans, Jews, and Zoroastrians call theirs. Um I tell you, it's like, hey, go to this area and do it. But that's at your choice of, of whether you should or you should not. Well, they reworked the Crusades where you could say the Pope calls for a crusade for Jerusalem, for example. Um, but they had a bit more flexibility of, of whether or not if you really want to go there. Um, I mean, you if you've got enough piety, you could change the target. Like, let's say you, you are from France. And it's like, yeah, going to Jerusalem is important, but I'm more worried about the Muslims of Spain. So you can... Didn't that, didn't that exact thing happen in, like, the fourth one for real? Oh, the fourth crusade is in the game. <laughs> you know, just a sec. Um, yeah, it's like, you can change a target to, you know, crusade somewhere else. Either fight Muslims of Spain or the pagans up in Scandinavia. Uh, whatever you're more concerned of. Or whatever you feel it's more convenient. And you got to name your um, beneficiary. What if you're going to send off your son or daughter or one of your siblings or one of your kinsmen to be, um, depending on how much you contribute to the crusade, then that person of your beneficiary may be its crusader king or some lower title like a duke or a count, depending on how much you contributed. But you'll get a lot of money, prestige, and piety of reward if the crusade is won. That's, that was kind of the point, yeah. Major penalty if the crusade is lost. Well, that didn't happen so much either. <laughs> and uh, then there's, it's not just that crusade. There's different crusades they added. That. There's the children's crusade, which um, many of them did not succeed in that game. This was another real thing that happened in history. Allegedly. Hmm. I mean, in the real life, the Children's Crusade was an utter failure. They didn't even get to the Holy Land. They just, well, the merchants found them and they sold them off to slavery. In my separate playthrough where I played as the Merchant Republic of Ragusa, where the Children's Crusade and the Fourth Crusade happened, um, the Children's Crusade was a miraculous success. Um, I'm not trying to be poetic, yes. but I mean it in a sense of, by golly, they actually did it. All those 12-year-olds killed all those Muslims. Somehow. Even though I kind of helped them a little in the... Again, I'm a merchant republic. I got to get this money somewhere. It's like, okay, here. Here's some boats. Off you go. You know, I'm in no interest of joining it. Nor am I sending my military there. Again, merchant republic. I care about money. Sure. And the fourth one, which was a different kind of disaster. Or success, depending on your perspective. Attacking your allies is not usually a success. Yeah. Yeah, the Fourth Crusade, um, which, again, happened in Ragusa, the other playthrough, or the Ragusan version of the Fourth Crusade. Like, again, it was like, we're going to Egypt originally because there was already a kingdom of Jerusalem there. So Egypt was going to be the original target. Then some Greek girl came to 
Republic of Ragusan and uh, and it talks about you know the throne. I mean, you probably know how the plot of the real life Fourth Crusade went. I, maybe I'm getting it mixed up with the third. Which one? God, the, the history of the real Crusades is just fucked up as hell. Uh, was it the third or the fourth? Where on their way to Jerusalem, they stopped in like Constantinople and fucked the town up. Uh, it was the fourth one. It was, yeah. At first, uh, in real life, they stopped at um, Zara in today's Zadar, Croatia. That's where they first stopped. Um, and that's when the Pope is threatening them, like excommunication, and then most, it's like some of them went home, and the others ignored those warnings and continued on to Constantinople, in which I did in that playthrough, and it was basically kind of lived up to the history. We toppled them. I got a big reward. But there was one problem. Um, it's like, yeah, you get a Crusader's bloodline when you win a Crusader and whatnot. The problem was, it's like, yeah, we got this bloodline where we took them down and we got this bonus and a negative opinion for Greeks. Because you know well, what yeah. we did to them. But the problem is that beneficiary I chose was a celibate. There was no bloodline uh, descendants after him. So we kind of yeah. screwed that up. So what happens when you have no descendants? It just goes to... Uh, the bloodline or your dynasty. Either or. I guess the base yeah. idea. If you got no heir of your dynasty and if you die, game over. But as for the bloodline, if there are no descendants, well then, bloodline becomes inactive. As in, well, can't get it back. It's all gone. It's all in the history books now. Hmm. So you lose all the... You just basically lose all those bonuses. Yeah, that's... That, that happens if you have to be happen to be playing a character that's of a kinsman of some other part of the dynasty that is no one cares about you know the less prestigious part of the dynasty um and there's two more crusade different types that they've added in that game um one is the reconquista you ever heard of the, the reconquest uh no it happened in spain um for most of medieval spain's history um most of medieval spain's history was more inquisition than conquest yeah, the reconquest is if you happen to be playing as the Catholic rulers of northern Spain, and you've got to drive these guys out of the Iberian Peninsula, which is a struggle. <laughs> these guys, which means non-Catholics. You have, there's a Spanish words for them. Uh, I believe they actually call them, but that's referred to Berbers as the Moors. <laughs> the Moors were just black people. Uh, the Moops. Well, no Seinfeld jokes right now. This takes too long to explain. Uh, yeah, the Reconquista down south and up north, there's the Northern Crusades, uh, which happens when one of the holy orders of the Catholic faith is formed, and that's the Teutonic Order. Uh, can, we, can we move to the India thing, or do you have something else? Yeah, just uh, one little thing uh, with this update that they released over the spring, um, which is Great Works. Great Works is a Wonder of the World building type thing. There's already pre-existing wonders at that time of the Middle Ages, such as the Pyramids of Egypt, which has always te been... Te te technically, of the seven great wonders of the ancient world, they were already all done by then. That's why they're called Ancient World. Two of them still existed in medieval times. One is the Pyramids of Giza, and the other is the Lighthouse of Alexandria, which is still there. Hmm. Yeah, those were the only two that left, and the rest of them are just different wonders, such as Stonehenge, or Apostolic Palace in Rome, uh, the Hagia Sophia in 
Constantinople, and a House of Wisdom in Baghdad. Those are a couple of examples. And you can build your own wonders of the world, if you got the money and time. Can you just build like a big statue of yourself? Yes, a ruler statue, which will take you seven years on the first stage of it. You can build up stages to the wonders. It's up to four. That's only if you got the money and time, as well as, so as, like well as the you, construction upkeep. So like you build a statue of yourself, and then a statue of your wife, and then a statue of your dog. Uh, well, only a ruler statue, but it is possible if you happen to be a lunatic, have the lunatic trait, you could build a horse statue. A statue, a statue, the horse. I think I would want that. Yeah. yeah. There was a time when I did another playthrough, which is the most recent one up to date, when I played as Assyria, ancient Assyria, to some folks that may not be familiar. Um, yeah, the medieval Assyrian Nestorian Christian faith, not a crusading faith, just the regular kind, like the Orthodox. Um, we built a bunch of wonders in that playthrough. We, did, uh, we built a great library. I almost said library library uh we also built uh, a magnificent garden re trying to recreate the hanging gardens of babylon another ancient one of the world oh. and we built a, a glorious cathedral in uh, jerusalem that's another example you could build you could build a big old church and a big old mosque if you're muslim and a uh, same thing for hindus and buddhists that to get build their grand temples what do these great wonders do for you What's the point of building them? Oh, just um, better modifiers and bonuses depending on where you put them. Like, if you're building a wonder in a mountainous country, then one of the choices you may get is and build a great underground city like Petra. Yeah, where you get more money out of it. And if you happen to have a wonder built in the coast, you could either build a great harbor or a great lighthouse like in Alexandria. Or Pharos. Is that what they called it there? Yeah, Pharos. That's another thing you could build. It's just more bonuses than anything else. Huh? And you can build your own great palace. It's not just building a wonder build up the stage to, you know, get that up on your prestige and your ego and whatnot. But there's little features that you can build in those wonders. Such as, you know... Let's see the list here. Other than, you know, like when I built a library, yeah, I built a collection of books there. <laughs> and when I mentioned about the statue of the horse, since I was a lunatic, um, when that ruler died, uh, um, the construction was halted. Like, we could not build up the first... No, no, build up the second stage. We left it on the first stage, which, picture this, since they do it in pictures and icons... The only portion of the statue we built of the horse was the horse's ass, and we left it out. Why did you not start with the legs? Well, we did the legs, and then we stopped it on the ass. That's a great metaphor statue is what that is. Yeah, basically. We could not build it beyond there because most of our dynasty's history were not lunatics, so we did not finish the rest. You didn't tear it down, just left it as a monument to your crazy ancestor? Yeah. It's just inactive. Yeah, uh, as I said, you could build features in that wonder, you know, such as you could build a, a retinue, like have an honor guard. I mean, I once had a an honor guard to guard the Magnificent Garden, which is basically a thousand light infantry and five hundred heavy infantry. Those who guard the garden, and it can be hired up whenever you're fighting in wars. <laughs> you know, additional reinforcements. 
or you could build other things such as uh, a tavern which ups the drunkard opinion for those who have the drunkard trait and might allow you to remove stress but it's not active for zealous muslims well obviously they wouldn't build one uh, and you could build a, a torture chamber which uh which plus 10 cruel opinion and you could you know, intimidate people or have private conversations with people just to try to up the opinion towards you a bit more, as well as it can be used to execute prisoners. Same thing to when building spikes. And your newest one, one that you haven't even started yet, you're planning on, is like way off in the east, in India. Is it in India or are you just an Indian kingdom? Well, it is going to be in India, but um, I'm planning on starting on the 769 start day, where I like to start on that. But at that time, India was just broken up into smaller kingdoms with three bigger ones that could be considered empire size that are just trying to up one another on a struggle. It's a tripartite struggle. The three kingdoms of India, so to speak. But, but my story um, is going to start way down so in the southern tip of India in Tamil Nadu state in modern geography since where i play as a chola dynasty which matter of fact i even found out recently that chola pandya and chera which they all live in the same area are the oldest dynasties in crusader kings as far as dating is concerned because they've been around since 600 bc you know what i'm amazed is that like this goes off slightly off topic uh they keep expanding the scope it's like crusader used to mean go from England to Jerusalem. Yeah, that was that, that was go, the original and then, size. And then you go into Africa. And then you go up into Scandinavia. The steps. Now we're going. Yeah, well, now we're going further east to China and India. Um, and yet they never did any of the. Well, I guess that's too far back. I don't know because a lot of shit happened in China for a very long time. Oh yeah, the Tang Dynasty and and Mongol invasion of China, which is just brief mentions there. But I guess that was just too early that you can't really do anything about that because the the game is more about the era that it takes place rather than who you can be as in that era. Yes, um, that's your behest of who you're going to do or what playthrough as on whatever goal that you plan on. For my goal, that future Indian playthrough as this Tamil dynasty called Chola, since they're doing at the earliest start date, which means that's that means that the realm of my size is going to start at its smallest. One county. Start off with one county. We start off from... It's not going to be rags and riches story. I mean, here's what's going to happen. Just a little taste for, for those that might be interested in my YouTube channel for that future series. I'll put a link in the description, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Uh, for that future Indian playthrough, it's not going to start off too violently as I have for the last three with Bosnia, Ragusa, and Assyria, where we just, you know fight our neighbors for whatever reason or where if it's for territory like just just go out on the blue in yeah expand the empire india since i'm a vassal of somebody else we're gonna have to start slow start off small um but um but i'm gonna do this thing that i did not do in my previous playthrough and that's well since since the first ruler of chola is named irajasakara um he's going to be a an evil person um he's going to join a a devil worshiping society of sorts, demon worship society of sorts, for the Hindus, and only for Hindus. Jains and Buddhists do not have it, which is called the Cult of Kali Purusha. And you might be familiar with that. 
Oh, only so much as what I've seen from media. I'm not really... This is one of those... This is another sort of tangent. But as I tried to allude to earlier before you went back on track, uh, the game gives you so much, you know, a little bit of real historical events and real people. Yeah, sometimes there's absurd events, and that's why they added the option to have on and off for absurd events or supernatural events. But you personally really like to go into the historical shit so much so that before you do any one of these playthroughs, you research the history of the area and the actual rulers and the actual religious heads. Yeah, that's yeah. For the past few months, I've discovered India. You've been doing like research for an LP, essentially. Yeah, and also had to make sure if anybody else, at least on the YouTube realm, that nobody's done it. Nobody done a playthrough on this dynasty or played as that country. That's just for notoriety's sake. Just to get views. Sure, understand. Look with those plans, I'm sure they'll go 100% fine. No issues whatsoever. Yeah, there are times where we're going to have to be the warlike Hindus and sometimes going to be the pacifistic Jayans. Which is, that one is just, I don't know, a podcast in itself. There's other podcasts that they cover such things. Um, which it takes, which takes way, way too much to explain of how those work compared to. I know what, what you've told me about them. They're real dumb, and I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, they're a bit out there to Westerners. They're a bit out there to human beings. They're. Uh, I don't want to say anyone religion is dumb, but they don't listen. That they literally don't. Li they're like fucking Amish. They don't listen to this, so I can say their religion is dumb. Which one, Jainism or? Yes, yes, that's dumb religion. But you know Hinduism and Buddhism a bit better because they, at least they traveled places. In Jainism, they they didn't travel very much. They kind of strict. Well, that's what happens when you're like super hippies. Uh -huh. And there's about five million of them in the world today, as far as census is concerned. How? Who's answering that census form? I honestly, uh, statistics. Eh, I don't believe any statistics. But it's not limited to like quasi-religious things like any statistics all statistics are bullshit are we done with that can we violently transition to the last thing yes we go from you know the far east of india to the wild west of the new world last time we did this a year ago uh red dead 2 had not red dead redemption 2 which from here on would just be called red dead 2 uh had not yet come just out just only a trailer right yeah, but you were in high anticipation because you really enjoyed the first one, and you also made a ton of YouTube videos of that as well. Since then, in that year, it's come out, and is, as of this recording, about to come out on PC. And more importantly, uh, for reasons that I don't need to get into right now, I'm finally going to get to play Red Dead 2, but not yet as of this recording. But eventually, very soon. Uh, soon enough. So... What I'm most worried about... You you love the game, obviously, uh, right? Yeah, it, it was great. the game of the year last year for me. Two years ago it was Crusader Kings, but I'm not sure what's game of the year now for me. But it, It's We're just quite hard to Because you've only played those two games. Uh, I'm worried... I, I spoke of this with uh, Stizzy, the other sometime host of the show, before, is like... And all the gameplay stuff that I've seen already of it, I've had the entire story... Not spoiled for me, but basically told. Like, I've seen enough YouTube things that I know everything that happens, and we won't talk about that here. But my concern is how much maintenance I have to do. Because in the first game, it's like, you want to go hunt a thing, okay, go to where it is, 
throw down some bait, shoot it in the head, and you did it. You're hunted. Uh -huh. And sell it for, for money. And in this one, it's like, okay, if you don't kill it cleanly, then the pelt isn't as good, and it's not worth as much money. And if you let the meat sit there, it goes rotten, and you can't eat it. And also, you have to make sure you're healthy enough, and also you get enough rest, and you, like, fill up the horse health. Yeah, plenty of maintenance on such things. Is there too much maintenance is my concern. I don't know if I want to totally ignore all of it. Well, I do. I know I want to totally ignore all of it. But what are the... Nobody's giving me a solid answer on what are the penalties if I don't clean my gun, clean my horse, clean myself. I mean, do you even care about the way you dress? As in, like, are you going to come out looking uncouved? Dude, you have seen me wear clothes in real life. Do you think I care at all what my video game characters dress oh, like? So you tend to go uncouved. It does not matter to me at all. But anyways, clothing, that's at your discretion. Look how you want to look. But as far as you being all muddy and dirty due to grit and grime of all the travel you do... It was the Old West. Nobody took baths. Well, you can take a bath if you like. But that's only in single player. Not in multiplayer. Um, but in single. Um, yeah, you can for a price. But that's only at your discretion. I don't think it really hurts your cores for you being not clean. But for your horse, yeah, it will. But, but the one thing I even barely learned that on multiplayer a couple of months ago of how to clean your horse, which is by um, brushing. It's like you don't have to do multiple brushes. Just one brush and boom, it's already clean. Just one swipe. Then there you go. How long is this story? It took me about a month. <laughs> Shit. Well, okay. Uh, again, uh, so I sped it up a little because of the... This was at the time when I was also highly anticipated for that. Crusader Kings DLC that we covered, um, which, you know, it's like, yeah, the weeks are counting down, and then now I gotta speed up on this, uh, Red Dead campaign thing. Did yeah. you, would you manage to do everything, everything anyways? Like 100% of the game? No, just like all the side stories. Yeah, all the side stories as well. All the little things. Did you 100% it, actually? No. There's, there's, uh, it's mostly due to the animals, just the one of the little challenges, as in you got to identify the thing and before you. <laughs> it's like you the last two Far Cry games. You need to catch this kind of fish and this kind of fish and this kind of fish. Yeah, I don't know if I'm bothered with that. The other thing, the other big complexion. Oh, one which... more thing. So when you talk about maintaining your guns, um, yeah, you got to have gun oil in order to clean them, um, which of course costs you a dollar fifty um, to buy gun oil at a store or gun store. <clears throat> Yeah. If you don't keep your guns clean, like, there's a condition bar, clean bar, whatever, right? Um, sure. Just I like in Fallout games that you play. Oh. If it gets lower and lower, it reduces its damage, it reduces its rate of fire, and its reload. And when it reaches the lower halfway mark, then your guard starts to sound different on the way it shoots, and the way you cock and reload, that sort of thing, it just makes that rusted sound. Okay, so here's my here's my idea. So let's say that happens to one of my guns. I drop it and pick up a new gun. Well, some well, I don't think I ever done it to you know NPCs. I I don't purposely pick. There's a reason why the text says "worn repeater." It's worn. It's been used. I know, but I'll just when it's done, I throw it away and get a new one. As long as you got ammo available and keep it maintained. 
The other issue is the online stuff. I don't know how much for, I'm going to do of that at all because there's 0% chance I'll do any of it solo, but I know you have to do the opening bit solo. Yeah, just just like with uh, GTA 5. But, like, if my posse, and I wish I didn't have to use that word, isn't around, I probably won't play any of it. But you have also played several hundred hours of that and have many videos about your shenanigans and GTA Online. Yeah, I made about... Or, excuse, I Red Dead made about, I made about 16 random clips videos of Red Dead, and the most recent one up to date was over 30 minutes long, which, oh, dear, I didn't realize it. And it's just, it's just nonsense. Sometimes, you know, weird glitches or interactions with NPCs or even other player characters. Yeah. Sometimes I just greet them, sometimes I antagonize, even up to the point where there's conflict, and where I can mostly get the better of them. Do you find that on the online there's enough things to do? Because that's a common complaint I hear about Red Dead 2 Online. It's like there's not enough stuff to do. Well, that was in its first few months. And then when it was beta. I mean, yeah, there wasn't enough things back then, but I, since I'm a patient person, I just, well, went with it. And then eventually they got off the beta. And, and back in September, nearly around the time of my birthday, they... Added the three roles that you can level up. Whether you like to be a bounty hunter, or a collector, or a trader. Just more ways to make money and gain XP. Uh, something, I guess. Can I just buy gold and not have to worry about it? Just skip ahead like the shark cards? Buy gold with your own money? Fuck it. <laughs> well, I never spent a shark card in my life. I did. It's not worth the... The problem... This was absolutely a problem. I know you still occasionally play GTA and you do a lot of the side stuff in it. The problem with GTA Online became if you stopped playing it for an extended period of time and then went back to it, you fell behind. Like they added so much stuff and are still adding stuff to that game that you can't, you cannot possibly afford it because you've not been making money by playing so it. One year behind. Uh, more than that. Uh, well, for Red Dead, yeah, I guess. But, you know, you can't buy cars and shit and you know, horses in Red Dead. You can buy, like, fancier guns and fancier hats. So I'm not too worried about that. But that was a huge problem in GTA where it's like, you know, me, uh, Rob, and Stizzy, the other guys on the show sometimes, uh, played it for a big chunk of time, stopped playing it for a big chunk, and went back and found, wow, we can't afford any of this shit. Because, you know, like the bunker and all the Doomsday High stuff and... All the new cars, it's like, we were so far behind, there was no point to going back. I'm worried that that, that might happen in Red Dead 2, where they just add so much extra shit. You won't have enough, you'll have, you won't have enough money, except the money is worth more because of inflation. Well, at least they haven't got up there yet, um, on up in that level. <laughs> and when you mentioned GTA 5, I couldn't help myself, you know, think about the casino. They did that little update with the casino, which, you know, how I like to gamble. You've seen me, clips of me playing poker, Red Dead poker. It's just one of the many things to do if you wish to make money. You know the gambling, and you don't, and you don't fancy yourself a gambler yourself, do you? Not so much of like traditional casino games. You know, I was like, all right, this is fun for half, but that's more me in terms of things I care about. Like, I could never play Crusader Kings. That's impossible for me because I. It's not that I have no patience. It's that my patience wears. If I am bored for more than, like, five minutes, I want to do something else. <laughs> this is why I play 400 video games a year, because it's like, all right, this is boring, I need to move on to something else. I don't like being bored.
And uh, as I said, I mentioned about those three rolls that are ways to make money. Uh, they had their own separate currency, which was, uh, it's like, yeah, there's dollars, there's gold, but there's also unlock tokens, which you get those from those three rolls. If you wish to unlock, you know, this item and that item, or a new horse, which, of course, it's still going to cost you money once you get them. It's basically a, a sort of pseudo-MMO, like Fallout 76 or, you know, any one of them games where, like, sometimes you're just going to get killed and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, if you happen to get killed online, you could press charges against them, which actually ups on their bounty. And, and that's another thing I recently... Um, it's like, back then, if you get your bounty up to about $20, they're going to send bounty hunters on you. Yeah, but are they... Uh, AI bounty hunters? Yes, but also uh, if you happen to rank up your bounty hunter up to 8 or 12 somewhere, then uh, you'll get a rare occasion because not too many people kill towns, literally, um, <clears throat> to get up to that point where you get to hunt down a player. And if you catch that player with that bounty, you could take that person to jail and you'll get the reward and they'll have a timeout. So, just a little advice in case if you're thinking about killing towns. I don't usually... I'm not a Rampage guy. I never have been. Uh, in terms of, like... Even, like, Elder Scrolls, I never would just kill NPCs for no good reason. I also, when playing any online game, although I don't play that very often, mostly because people fuck with me. Fuck with people. I, I don't want to interfere in someone else's fun. Well, that's what defensive mode is for. Yeah, but you can still get shot. It's not it's not invulnerable like it was in the last game. Well then, you just happen to be, you know, at a real aggressive player, and then if they kill you, well then you could either press charges or just parlay, which is passive mode. We'll see. It's already gonna take me a long time to beat the campaign. I don't know how much I'm gonna do of the uh, multiplayer. I'm just a year. I'm just you know a year behind everyone else. Hey, I finally played. God of War, and I didn't like it, but well, then, you know, if Stizzy and or Rob are listening to this, I liked God of War just fine. I just didn't like any of the characters in it. So maybe I will like Red Dead 2 just fine. Just none of the horses in it. Did you say none of the horses? Like, you don't trust horses? Like, your own, even? Hell, hell, when I start online, I mean, of course, you know, when you start online, they give you this low-level low horse, right? You know what I named my horse? Which, by the way, you can name your horses. Uh, I named my horse Low End because, you know, it's a low-end horse. Low end of the spectrum. I don't know. I don't know how much customization I'll be doing either. Mostly because you can't make any, like... This is also a problem in GTA where everyone you make is just ugly. This is ugly people yeah, up and down Yeah, there's a lot place. of uncooped people and very little I would run, you know, any good-looking ones. Both men and women, but... That, that's I digress. Uh, I don't know how you would want to make your ideal character. Well, it depends how much you're looking at your own face. I mean, that's also that in single player, since you're playing as you know main protagonist Arthur Morgan, a male. I'm gonna um, try to where, do. I'm gonna try to do what I did in Witcher, where uh, talking about hairstyles, customizations. Yeah, yeah. I give him a dumb haircut and a big beard. That's my yeah. goal. Keep using hair tonic, piece of advice, if you want to make your facial hair grow faster. It just poured on me. No, you drink the hair tonic. That doesn't 
What? That doesn't make sense. That's not how that works. You know what else doesn't work? There's a lot of things that don't make sense in that game, and I'm going to be very honest with you, as much as I like it. When I got bitten by a rattlesnake, you know how I cured it? Drink moonshine. Some Oregon Trail shit right yeah. there. I drank moonshine because it's one of the health, you know, that makes your coal, yeah. gold. Cocaine cold. gum. I know that's a yeah. thing, too. Cocaine gum, that's for stamina and, and friggin' chewing tobacco. Chewable tobacco for the dead eye. Well, nobody, nobody, that's what I'm saying, it's like late 1800s, nobody knows anything about medical sciences. Yeah. Oh, gangrene? Well, chop it off. Well, that actually still is the treatment for today, which is why you try not to. I think that's enough. Do you have anything else? Anything you want to talk about a promo? I know I'll... I'll... Uh, I think, uh, I think we covered all the uh, bases here, other than, you know, the few shenanigans I've done in Red Dead, which, again, this is just, you know, just like with GTA, it's like, I even found ways of how to, you know, get away with murder already, how... I've seen you, I've seen enough clips to see you, one of your favorite pastimes, this is a, it sounds more evil than it is, because you're actually not an evil person, you're not a person who goes on rampages. But you do like to experiment to see how much you can get away with. Uh, without getting any witnesses. Without getting in trouble. So, like, you'll engineer situations both in GTA and RDR where you kill an NPC without touching yeah, them. I, and you probably remember that clip, like, there's a guy on the wagon, I threw a lasso, but it, I didn't tie up the guy. I just, you know, touch it with the lasso, and then he goes, oh, like he goes limp, and then he falls down on the wagon, and the wheels hit him, and then yep, he's dead, and I didn't get the penalty. No dishonor. I don't know how much of that I'll be doing, honestly, either. I think I'd, be, I'd like to be a hermit. I just live out in the woods and play a harmonica, and nobody bothers me. Yeah, being a hermit, I think that'll be a frequent theme, uh, and that's in both figurative and literal. In some of the games that we'll be doing. Is there anything you're looking forward to in the future besides Crusader Kings 3? No, probably not. But if I was looking forward <laughs> for something, I think it's more of... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's mostly just life uh, or movies or television from other countries. Other than we look forward to the Star Wars movie next month. I mean, that's the big thing. Hell, well, again, don't date this. No. Uh, and again, we look forward to... Uh, well, it's a Star Wars movie. We grew up on that. I know, I know, I know, but... I just want it to be over, you know? I just want this to be done. Yeah. Okay, on that terrible note, uh... Thank you for joining me on the show, Thomas. Yes, sir. I'll plug your, uh, once again, I'll put your YouTube uh, channel in the description of this video, this audio. You can find me on Twitter at Loki Jarson and on Xbox as Loki Jarson with a space and on PlayStation as Loki Jarson with no spaces because PlayStation doesn't allow you to put spaces for some dumbass reason. And you can, and, and I was about to plug in my link, and you can find me at the Lord Master channel. That's Lord Master with no space and there's a zero instead of an O in the Lord. Uh, but uh, as for the Xbox Live Gamer tag, that's Lord Master with a space. But a zero still. Yes. <laughs> Internet names. Gunfingers. Thank you and goodbye.